I saw a video on the news the other day that reminded me of an event in my life, and basically it went something like this. I was umpiring baseball, and it was a tournament. It was a Saturday. It was hot, and in between innings, the team would one of the teams played music. Just they just played music. Well, I didn't know it, but I started apparently moving to the beat of the music. And I heard a woman behind me call me Blue, the nickname for umpire. She said basically, hey, Blue, come here and dance with me. I went, no. No, I'm not dancing with you. She said, I just saw you move to the beat. And I went, no, no. And then about that moment, about four parents pulled out their cell phones ready to record. And I said, no, no, not happening. Well, yesterday on the news, I saw an umpire And actually, the whole team, they were kind of doing something, and they were moving, and the umpire was, well, he was moving. I'll just say it that way. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be him. So there you go. I'm not going to talk about that kind of thing for the next four Sundays, but what I want us to think about, great hymns, classic hymns, maybe even some modern songs, kind of the story behind the song, the story behind the inspiration Today being Memorial Weekend and you know, remembering our veterans who gave their life on the battlefield, today I just selected the song Onward Christian Soldiers. And the, the, I did change the name of the sermon. I do that. Becky's used to it by now. But the, the name of the sermon today is A Good Soldier. And here's the idea I want me and you to think about today. We as Christians need to be a good soldier. We need to be, we are soldiers for Christ. And this particular song, I just want to tell you the story and then we're going to dive right in. It was written in 1864 by Pastor Sabine Baring Gould. I probably butchered his name and I'm apologetic for doing that. He wrote this hymn for a children's festival. That was an annual event where he lived in Yorkshire, England. And on this particular day, he thought, I need to write a song, and this song will help inspire the children as they're marching from where they are to the festival site. And they were carrying crosses and banners. And so in 15 minutes, uh, Pastor Sabine wrote this hymn. Can you imagine 15 minutes? He just sat down and just started writing. Well, he named it, not Onward Christian Soldiers. He named it Hymn for Procession with Cross and Banners. That was the name he gave it. That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, does it? It was later changed to Onward Christian Soldiers. And when he kind of went back and looked at the original lyrics, and originally it had six verses. When he went back, he went, "Mm, that wasn't very good. And he apologized for some of the rhymes, as he said, being faulty. And that was what he said. And yet this hymn became one of the most popular, and I'm gonna, this is what the words I found, marching hymns ever written. I mean, you can just imagine to, to the tune that it is sung, and you can imagine now in your mind children carrying crosses and banners, you know, onward Christian soul. You know, you can just imagine that, I'm sure. Now, I want to fast forward just a little bit from 1864 to August of 1941. 
World War II is now officially underway. And there was a boat in England called the HMS Prince of Wales. On this battleship, Winston Churchill and FDR met together. This ship was about to set sail for war. And on the ship were a lot of soldiers. And those two leaders, Winston Churchill and FDR, said, we're going to have a worship service for our men. And we're going to let them know that God is with us, and that we are fighting a battle for righteousness and truth, and that we are going to do something to stem the tide of the aggression of the Germans and the Japanese and the Italians. We're going to do this. And so Winston Churchill was in charge of picking out the hymns that would be sang on the boat on this particular day. One of the songs that he selected was Onward Christian Soldiers. He later spoke on a radio broadcast to the British people as to why he chose that specific hymn. And I'm just going to read to you exactly what he said. He said, we sang Onward Christian Soldiers indeed. And by the way, I wanted to read this in my best British Winston Churchill imitation, but I'm not. He said, and I felt that this was no vain presumption. Now, I'm going to pause for just a moment. We don't talk like this anymore. Our talk is dumbed down. Winston Churchill used a very eloquent, I mean, these were very eloquent words, so I'm going to continue reading, so stay with me. He said, I felt that this was no vain presumption, but that we had the right to feel that we were serving a cause for the sake of which a trumpet has sounded from on high. When I looked upon that densely packed congregation of fighting men of the same language, of the same faith, of the same fundamental laws, of the same ideals, it swept across me that here was the only hope, but also the sure hope of saving the world from measureless degradation. Now that kind of gives you pause to think and ponder exactly the, of the magnitude of what the world was facing during World War II. Now I want to fast forward to the 1980s. So the hymn was written in 1864, and it was used on a warship to inspire soldiers to fight a righteous and just cause. And now we come to the 1980s and maybe even the 19, or and the 1990s. There was a movement in not just our country, but among Christian churches worldwide to basically say this. We don't like this song on with Christian soldiers. The United Methodist Church and the Episcopal, I can't say their name to save my life, the Episcopalians, both of them in the 1980s met and tried to delete this hymn from their hymn books. Guess what? The people rebelled and it failed. And the guys and the, the people that wanted it removed basically said, well, this is a song about military militarism and it has really nothing to do with Christ. Well, duh. They had apparently not read the verse of Scripture that I'm going to read in just a moment that the original author said it was based on, which is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Then in the 1990s, the Presbyterians met, the Lutherans met, and they decided we're deleting this hymn 
from our hymnals because of its military appearance and so forth. Some other denominations changed the name of the song Onward Christian Soldiers to Onward Christian Pilgrims because they didn't like the word soldiers being in their hymn book. See how in just a short amount of time things can change. I want you and me to think this morning about this idea. We are soldiers for Christ. You know, some of you remember the song Father Abraham, you know, and you sang it as a kid and you kind of, you know, Father Abraham and many sons and then you were marching and you were doing all the little motions. I am not going to sing it to you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, but we are soldiers. That's what I want us to understand. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, only two verses, verses 3 and then 4. This is what we read. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And this is one of the reasons I'm one of those that says, hey, we're soldiers. And the song Onward Christian Soldiers should be the title of the song. Because Scripture says that we should share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the recruiter. And this is the, the Hallman Christian translation of the word. we got recruiter here. Some other translations say commanding officer. So here's what I want us to think about for just a moment. Jesus Christ set an example for us. Not just was, did God become man, fully God, fully man. He freely, willingly gave his life on a cross. He endured the shame and the horror of the cross. He was buried dead, raised from the dead, and walked among the disciples for some 40 days before ascending to heaven with the promise that he would return again someday. And then he said to all of his followers in that generation and every generation thereafter, serve me, honor me, follow me, and be a good soldier, basically. Jesus even used the illustration and in his teaching about you and me who, or his followers that we are also soldiers for him. He made that point multiple times himself. Jesus said this in Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. So Jesus set an example of suffering for the cause of God's plan for mankind. So here's what I want you to see. We need to, to basically, as Paul wrote, share in the suffering of Christ. How many times do we complain when life doesn't go our way? Oh my goodness gracious. We, we, we can become the biggest little crybaby sometimes. And we just wah, wah, wah. God, remove this. God, take this from me. God, I don't want to go through this. But Scripture reminds us it is through suffering, it is through tribulation, it is through trials that our faith actually grows. So those things help weed out what doesn't need to be and put into what should be it helps us relate to and understand who Jesus is. And so we need to share in the suffering of Christ as a good soldier. And then Paul wrote in the latter part that we need to seek, to re we need to seek in everything we do to please the commanding officer, Jesus. He's the boss. We need to please him. 
I, um, I've had a lot of bosses in my life. Some of you served in the military. If your military officer told you to, you know, dig the hole, you dug the hole. Justin, I know you were in the military, and I, I, I would have loved to have been with you. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, I just, I don't know why. I just would love to sometimes. I can see some soldiers when the, the, the sergeant or whomever says, go do this. You know, you don't say, I don't want to. Or I'm not going to. Or be a little smart aleck and say, well, how deep you want me to dig the hole? I mean, I can see some sergeant now saying, you dig until I say quit digging. You see, when you're in the military, you have to learn to follow orders and you have to learn to do because when you're in battle, when you're in battle, that training to follow orders is essential not just to your life, but to the lives of the soldiers next to you and behind you or in front of you. And so what, what we need to learn today is it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about the big I, but rather it's about Jesus. He knows what's best because we are in a spiritual battle. We're in warfare. Whether we want to admit we are in a spiritual battle for the sake of our own life, the lives of our family, the life of our neighborhoods, the life of our country, the life of the world, we are in a fight for eternity. And, and how we follow Jesus makes a difference. And so on this day, I want you to just think about what it means to follow Jesus, to serve Him, to honor Him, to do your part, to grow in your faith, to dig in deep, do whatever needs to be done to win this spiritual war that we're in. You know, we, <clears throat> we knew that our attendance would not be as large today because it's Memorial Weekend, people are gone, we take vacation, people take trips. I know I've been guilty, not guilty, I've taken Memorial Weekend a lot of times to go on trips, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Here's what I want you to think of. It's not just this Sunday or next Sunday or the next Sunday or Sundays previous. There are fewer and fewer people in the Bible Belt where we live going to church. Fewer and fewer people. There are more and more people who say, I don't need church. I don't need to fellowship. I don't need to sing songs. I can handle whatever the world throws at me. But the reality is we really can't handle everything that comes our way. We need each other. We need to understand Scripture. We need to understand and have the support and fellowship of other believers. Now, with all of that said, I want to give some kudos to some folks, not some folks, but some groups before we kind of wrap this up. The first kudo is this, because we are soldiers individually and collectively here in our fellowship. This is one of the biggest things we do every Sunday. We worship. We come in, we sit down, and some of us participate actively. Some of us participate a little more passively. But I want to say to our worship team, thank you for all you do. I mean, Angie, 
Becky, all right, let me just do it this way. If you're a part of the worship team, and that includes the sound, the audio guys and gals, everybody, if you are part of the worship team, just stand up for just a quick second. Stand up. Just stand up. I know you don't want to, but just do it. Where's the choir? Choir, stand up. Choir two. So we, we can't have worship without you. Y'all can sit down. Thank you so much. So when we think about what we do, it takes time and sacrifice. We don't know. Most of us don't know how much time it takes to prepare songs, to practice songs, to put the service together, to get the screens right. To And y'all know sometimes the screens mess up and things shut down and lights don't work or the camera doesn't work. We don't understand, but we... We have people who are giving up and sacrificing to make sure that we're, we're worshiping God every Sunday. All right, let me thank some other folks or just give some kudos. All of our Sunday school Bible teachers, uh, if you're a teacher, a leader in Sunday school, all right, stand up for just a quick second. Now, we're seeing familiar faces. we got people doing multiple things. All right, y'all can sit down. Thank you all so much. See, earlier this morning, I sat in on the young adult class. I, 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 that is always a fun experience. And we just kind of had a round-robin, free-for-all, ask-the-pastor-question day. And I'm still, I'm still shell-shocked. Um, no, not really. Not really. It was, it, was an, it was an amazing experience. And so when you think about it, if you're a Sunday school teacher or if you're – Brenda, where's Brenda? Where is Brenda? Children's Church, okay. So when, you, when you're doing those kinds of things, it takes time to prepare the lesson. It takes time to sit and talk and plan events. And, I mean, it's just so much work. So I want to say to all of our Sunday school and discipleship teachers, thank you for all that you do. Now I want to take a moment and just say kudos to our children's ministry workers now, this is one of the, I have talked about this one, but if you were involved in our children's ministry from children's church to children's events, stand up for just a second. All, come on. Don't be shy. There, I just got to be more than two or three, four. Okay, five, six. All right. Are some of y'all not standing up? Okay. Listen, I want to tell you something. Worship's important, Sunday school's important, children's important. We need to minister to and keep loving on our children. We prayed for children. They're essential to the health and long-term strength of what we're doing to fight the spiritual battles that are in our community, in our schools, and in our neighborhoods. And our children need us to help them, and our parents need us to help them. And see, this is all a part of being a good soldier. Now, there's another group not too far removed from the children. That's our student ministry. Courtney and David, y'all stand up. If you, well, Courtney, you might not be able to. David, stand up. And Courtney's standing because she's waving. She, she's got a baby. Thank y'all. When I came here as your pastor some years ago, I don't know, Avery, you were in the youth group. I don't know. We had, it felt like 30 teenagers at that time. It wasn't quite 30, but it was about 20, I think. And 
And now when y'all all grew up, because we didn't have any children, we almost reached the point where we had like one or two teenagers. And David and Courtney stepped in and said, I'll do this. And they are in the process of growing our youth department. And I just want to say to them and to others, they're doing an amazing job. Listen, none of us who aren't teenagers have no idea what it's like to be a teenager today. Unless you have a teenager or you work with teenagers and you just don't know the pressures that our teens are under today. So that's an, it's, it's, it is so neat because, again, the spiritual warfare to attack the minds of our teens today, it is off the charts, unlike any other time that we've ever lived in. And then another group to give some kudos to is our building and grounds. If you're a part of the building and grounds, stand up for just a second. Bobby, don't you just sit there. Now, Bobby, I know you don't do it along. Ricky's not here today, um, and I'm not sure who else is on the building and grounds. Hmm? Tony, Tony's not here. Well, let's see, they're all at the beach or something. No, I'm kidding. I don't know where they are. This building was a vision before I ever came. And when I say this vision, I don't mean this specific vision, but the vision to build a new sanctuary. There was also a vision to build an extension to the fellowship hall. And since I've been here, the Building and Grounds Committee took this vision because without enough room, we wouldn't be able to minister to a growing community. These guys worked hard, and they've sacrificed time to make sure that the building was built. And listen, the building, even though new, it still falls apart sometimes. If you've been in the fellowship hall recently, there's an event there called um, the Ice Maker. And um, the Ice Maker, I don't know what's wrong with it, but it has an incredibly loud roar to it. Things break. We've had air conditioner breaks. We've had light failures. We've had speaker failures. And here's the thing. These guys work hard to make sure that it's open. And then I want to just kind of catch everybody else. We have a group that meets like uh, Brenda and um, where are you at, Mr. Alvin? They cook supper every Wednesday night. And Miss Sherry, you help out with serving. Now, maybe you cook some too. I don't know. But I want to say thank you to them. They make it possible for us to come from work to church events on Wednesday night. We've got some teenagers that come on Wednesday night, and when there's leftover food, all Ms. Sherry has to say is, you boys want seconds? And before the words are out of her mouth, these mammoth men are running up there to get more food. Here's what I want you to see. Whether you're doing some things I've just mentioned, or even some administrative things, like Becky does our newsletter, I call it the newsletter. It's like the newsletter bulletin. There are so many, and then Robert does the, the books. I mean, I could keep going on and on as you see. There are so many of us that are serving in so many areas. We couldn't do what we do without all of us. None of us is more important than the other because everything is equally important. Everything is needful. And so I just wanted to take a moment this morning and say, as soldiers of this church, Christians of this church who are saying, Jesus, it matters. 
what I do. It matters how I serve you. It matters that you sacrifice. It matters that you work hard to make sure that things are done so that we can fight this spiritual battle that we're in, our families in, our communities in, to make a difference. With all of that, I'm going to just wrap this up this morning, and I want to remind you of something I shared about four months, five months ago in January. I shared with you some things that I wanted to see us work on hard this year, and we've already been working hard on it. One of the things was worship. If you recall, I, I was saying, let's make our worship better, and let's make it more just, you know, we, we all need to improve. I looked at myself in the mirror and said, dude, you need to work on your sermon delivery. You need to work on the time management of your sermon. And I, I know some of you say, oh, just preach as long as you want. I know you, some of you mean that. But some of you go, oh, don't you go past 1130. <laughs> and I, I understand that. And so I, one of the things I, I, I was wanting you to pray with me about is that we add to the piano some more instruments. And after that sermon, Heather stood up, kind of not literally at that moment, but she came and she said, oh, you know, I've been praying about it. And the next Sunday she started playing. And Heather's been playing the guitar almost every Sunday since then. And that, that warmed my heart because we prayed, shared the hope, you prayed, and God moved in Heather's life. Now, some, God's moving in another person's life. And I spoke with Angie and some others about it. Uh, Jack, Jack, y'all know Jack plays the drums. I mean, he says I'm not a great drummer, but Jack has said he will be willing to play the drums along with Becky and Heather and the choir. He ain't gonna rock us out, okay? I mean, he's not gonna go on some like animal, uh, like the I forget it was Sesame Street or something. You know the where he's just beating wildly. But Jack said, you know, I, I don't. So we're we're hopefully going to see Jack up here. That means we've got to replace Jack back there. And so and Greg's like, oh, please, Jack, don't leave. Uh, <laughs> but you see, here's how we grow and here's how we change. We keep saying, God, how can we make what it is we do even better? How can we use the talents that God has placed within our church? And so those are some things that I want us to keep praying about. And then children's ministry. Some of you know Ron has been doing children's ministry or the children's church for about, about a year or so. And uh, she said, it's time for me to, to give that up and move on to something else. And I made mention of that. And Jennifer stood up later, well, she didn't stand up, but she came to me and said, I'll pray about it. And, you know, I love to hear people say those words, I will pray about it. When you, when you are listening to God and you feel called of God to do something different, then that means God is moving in our church. That means that you are being a soldier of Christ. And so Jennifer and I met. We're changing our church, children's church literature. I believe it is going to be so much better than what we were doing, not that what we were doing was bad, but we're just making it better. We're helping teach our children about Christ about what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a soldier of Jesus. And so that's why I hope you will be here next Sunday. Whether you are working in children's church or want to work in children's church, it's going to be some amazing, I sound like Donald Trump, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be, I, I better stop. Uh, 
I, I think you will see if you will just get involved, if you'll come out of your comfort zone and endure a little bit of suffering, see, tying it back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you will learn to suffer just a little, you will see how God can use you in Children's Church if you would just pray about it. So Jennifer, thank you for taking on that role, and thank you to all who are working in our Children's Church and our Children's Ministry. There's one more thing I want to say about the Children's Ministry. There are some others that we need to step up to the plate a little bit. We've talked about you know, the suffering for Christ, that's, that's how we grow. We need to do, we need more people involved in children's ministry, planning events. All right, now, we'll pray about that later. I also mentioned in January that we baptize some people. God hasn't answered this prayer fully yet. We've not yet baptized anybody in this calendar year. That ought to break our hearts. Now, I don't want to baptize somebody just to baptize somebody. Y'all hear me? I don't want to just go, oh, I'll get baptized. No, no. I want us to make a difference because this is perhaps the start of the spiritual journey. When people are separated from God, when people are not saved, when they're not born again, when their home, eternal home, is not heaven, when they're separated from God, that's where the first real spiritual battle lies where we are saying, you need to be a follower of Jesus. You need to accept Christ. And without that acceptance, you will never see inside the gates of heaven. It is when a person becomes a Christ that God can change them and mold and shape them into the person that he wants them to be. It is there that a person experiences life as God truly intended it. So for me, this is one of our biggest prayer concerns for the rest of this year, that we see more people baptized, that we are somehow getting out into our community, that we're reaching our own children and sowing the seed into their life so that they say, I need Jesus, so that our teenagers that are not saved will be able to say, I need Jesus in my life so that I can face the struggles at my school. See, this was a big one to me, and I hope that this will change before or by the time we reach December the 31st of this year, that we'll see more people baptized. And then I also prayed about discipling. This is actually a question raised this morning. Uh, Brad asked the question about, kind of related back to his own life of when he was first saved and then his teenage life. And basically it was like, how do we grow as a Christian? This is a great struggle. And I I answered it, and Jennifer kind of said she didn't like the analogy, but that's okay. Here's the analogy I used, and I'll share it with you this, this right now. The analogy is this. How many of you have ever gone to a gym to, to get into shape and said, some of you go, what's a gym? Anyway, I shouldn't joke about this, should I? You ever used a personal trainer? I remember when Ron and I went to a gym a few years ago, we joined, and they talked to us about the personal trainers. And I asked, well, how much does that cost? And they told me, and I went, well, I'm not getting a personal trainer. I'll just figure this out on my own. In our life as Christians, we do have our generic, here's the machines, the spiritual growth machines that we can go to, and we'll learn, and we'll maybe lose weight, and maybe get in shape. 
But we don't have to charge an arm and a leg to say to somebody in our church, look, I will help disciple you, and I will help you grow in your faith. I'll help keep you accountable. I'll be like your mentor, and I won't charge you a dime because that's just what I want to do. And there are some of us who are mature Christians. You've been doing this for a while. You understand you understand the Bible. You understand how to pray. You understand how to fight temptation. And you understand struggle. And I would say to you, get out of the comfort zone and say, I want to be a, a mentor to somebody or maybe three people. And say, I want to do something to help you grow in your faith and put yourself out there. I believe that would be an amazing thing to help our congregation grow, and not, only, not only in our knowledge, but in the way we follow Jesus. And then the, the final thing to mention is just building the grounds. I didn't mention this earlier, but we still have some unfinished tasks around the building. Bobby knows about them, and Bobby can't do it all, y'all. He can't. Miss Sherry knows that. He's one man. There are some things we just need to come and finish up so that our building is completely finished and done. And whatever that may be, if Bobby comes up with a list soon and says, we need to get this done, and he says, let's have a work day, let's, let's sign up. Let's show up. I remember a few years ago, we worked on the sign out, the, not the sign, but the thing around the sign. And Bobby, you had a list of things and we got some of those projects knocked out. All of these little things combined says to us, I'm sacrificing, but it also says to our community, this is the church on the move. There's so much more I could say. I just looked up. The time is way past. You're going to fire me, and if you do, you do. That's okay. I'll just go somewhere else, and I'll talk to them until they let me go. Now, now I want, I'm going I'm to leave you with this thought. I'm going to leave you with this thought. Imagine, just imagine, in your mind, imagine, dream where our church could be if we said, I am going to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I am going to be the kind of soldier that says, onward, Christian soldier, and I'm talking to myself. I'm going to do my part. If you did your part, Collectively, we did our part. Imagine where we might be by the end of this year in making a difference in the lives of those who are coming and the lives of those God wants to be here. That is a dream I have. 